Welcome. It's okay. It's three to one. Let's jam. Good evening, primetime partiers. It's primetime party time. Welcome back to our hour of all things media and entertainment, live on the air at 9 p.m. at ptptshow.com and on your time, wherever you stream podcasts. Tonight, we are going to revisit Cowboy Bebop to go through the end of the series, the movie, and any other lingering thoughts before we can get our hands on the live-action Netflix adaptation. This time, our podcast theme composer, professional musician, and hilarious holder of strong opinions on reality television, Justin, is here to weigh in on this landmark anime. And to top it off, back in the band room episode and all-around good time, Kyle is also here to give his take on the real folk blues. All right, yeah, we have a real round table here this week. This is wild. Yes, recording live from Southern California. Location undisclosed. (laughs) 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 But we are in a room together for the first time in PTPT history. Woo, woo. Woo. That's exciting. Since we uh, started this show during the pandemic, and uh, to be completely on theme, our movie of choice of the series as touches on those themes in a way that we really didn't anticipate when we thought about using it in our continuation of the Cowboy Bebop conversation. But to go with our regular rigmarole, we have Toasts and Roasts, with ourselves and our lovely guests. So, Daniel, what is your toast and roast for this week? Okay, so we're recording this in mid to late July, and I uh, had an experience this week where I was on the other end of an experience that I had 10 years ago in mid to late July. I strolled into a retail store, and it was like 10 to 11 a.m. And some fresh green cashier was being trained on her first day on the job behind a register. And I was her first exchange. And I distinctly remember getting my first retail job, you know, 10 years ago, and being terrified of exchanges. Uh, I was really nostalgic for being on the other end of that. It was like a really fun, just kind of like moment, uh, you know, a little bit removed from the scene these days. But it, it's, it's always fun to like go back and see that again. Uh, just, I, I don't know. I've always kind of thought that that was kind of a delightful time and that those jobs are just kind of fun and delightful. Uh, I don't know if everybody shares that same opinion, but <laughs> I had a good time. Uh, so I hope all the, all the new sort of trainees, uh, the season, you know, right after high school, getting, getting their kind of first retail jobs in or having good times. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm just kind of like toasting to, to that general sort of experience, I guess. As far as roasts go, uh, I will say, so I saw Snake Eyes, which premiered this weekend. Nice. Uh, my roast is not Snake Eyes, though I do feel like it, it could have used another rewrite or two uh, to, to be like a, a good movie. I, I will say, though, there is this sort of thing in a lot of franchise movies uh, as they're sort of building franchises right now. Uh, and I feel like as more and more come out and as more and more studios sort of try to build up their franchises, uh, having these characters that show up specifically to play larger roles in later movies, but not having arcs within the movie that they're introduced in uh, and not really having a reason to be there. I think we were, uh, I am growing less and less tolerant to overall in in watching movies and watching blockbusters right now. Uh, I think Marvel did it to success, uh, but I think as, as it's very obvious that a lot of these competing large studios are, are trying to build, build out their versions 
uh, I, yeah, I, yeah, characters got to be there for a reason, uh, and they got to they got to change, they got to hang out, they got they got to go through something within the movies. Uh, they can't just be there to be like, yeah, I'll see you next time. It'll be it'll be fun. Uh, and and so I, I think I'm roasting to to that and into uh, movies just not quite right now. Always getting that uh, correct or always striving for that. Yeah, we we don't need everything to be Marvel. Yeah, there's that. There's that. It would As be well. nice if, if uh, movies could stand like on their own. Yeah, in some times. Yeah, I, I like to pick and choose. Absolutely. But you know, the, we we like to see something new, and not just kind of do the let's make movies in order to be able to make more movies based on not writing this in. Yeah. Originally. Yes, we like to see something new, and we like to see something complete. Um, yeah. This might tie into to the movie that we watch for this for this episode later, but uh, yeah. Before that, uh, Justin, did you have a toast or a roast for this week? Yeah, I oh, do. Yeah. I do have a toast and a roast. I think my my toast is I went to the beach twice in the past week. One with Kyle. We had a great day down in Corona del Mar. It was wonderful. Great beach. And maybe that was over a week ago. Was that last Saturday? It was Tuesday. I'm losing my mind. It sounds like it. My days are gone. And <laughs> Tracy's <laughs> laughing at me. And uh, the second time I went, I went with some friends that were actually visiting from New York. And uh, I haven't gone to the beach twice in a week in a long time. So that was quite nice. And uh, my roast for this week, it's hot. Oh, that's fair. It's just That's a hot. fair roast. And I'm just tired of the heat. That's yeah. it. It wouldn't be so bad if we were just at the beach the whole time and not having to work remotely in our houses that don't necessarily have AC or we don't want to use. The AC. Yeah. Freaking up. <laughs> so we just sweat with the windows open. <laughs> 2021. Good. It's not just me. <laughs> I did upgrade my fan situation. That's, I got like a good stand up, upright, like Vernado fan. And I was like, okay, this is, this is my contribution to keeping cool for the like, next, I don't know, like three, four months <laughs> we have left <laughs> of, of Southern California summer. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be toasty. Yeah. And on, on that note, toast and roasts for Kyle. All right. Am I allowed to start with the roast? Yeah. Oh, yeah. All <laughs> right. I'm going to roast Justin's toast because I was going to say the beach, but here we are. <laughs> Sorry, my man. I mean, you were there too, so you get... you you could use it. No, it it's viable. Yeah, yeah, there were some good beach days this week. Yeah. So, yeah, the water's been really nice. Uh, like you guys said, it's been really hot here. So going to the beach is kind of a nice break from it all. And then I feel like I've been in orange. You, I remember what this is. Yeah, you can see yeah. where you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I, my undisclosed location was just a joke. We're oh, like, okay. We yeah, can, we can that say that we're in Orange <laughs> County right we're now. We're in the OC. <laughs> we're, we're in the, uh, the OC here. Yeah. Okay, all right. So yeah, we're not secret we agents. Or no, yeah. no, no one's tracking us down. <laughs> I'm 
disclose Southern California safe house. Come at me, Zuckerberg. Let's go. The beach is like way too much. Fine the fact that we are within a reasonable distance of the beach, like they know way too much now. Oh, yeah, I guess so. So much information. So, so yes. So Orange County that, things. Yes, yes. I was going to say, now that we, like, I've been in Orange County long enough to understand the parking situation, you can find the free spots, too, yeah. which is pretty nice. Yeah. Uh, For anyone who doesn't live in a major city in America listening, uh, parking sucks. It's atrocious. Oh, yeah. Absolutely atrocious. And you live here long enough, you find secrets and you hold those tight. So the theater I watched Snake Eyes in, I rolled into uh, like a Burbank shopping center, and it had free like it had a free garage parking, and the, like, I was five floor structure. Yeah, it yeah. floored me. I didn't know that that existed. It's like the nice. only. Yeah. It's like the only one up there. Yeah. Now my parents moved to Burbank after living in DTLA for a long time because they were like I'm tired of finding parking to go to the grocery store. That's oh fair. god, that's fair. <laughs> wow. Like we'll take we'll we'll go over the hill. <laughs> oh, Man. I know. Well, my toast is that there's a few toasts of this week, but my main toast is that I went to a lavender festival, which is quite lovely. I enjoy lavender. Um, it was at a lavender farm in the middle of nowhere, kind of like Beaumont area. So if you're from Beaumont, sorry, I'm considering your area the middle of nowhere. It was fairly remote. I think they're aware. Um, but they're able to have a large lavender farm, so you can go out and take photos. Definitely some Instagram-y type spots. They even put some like full-length mirrors on these like large oak trees, so people could like... I think the idea there was so that people could like take pictures in the reflection. But also, there were definitely people fixing like their makeup before they went to go take pictures. So many uses. But they had a lot of fun of lavender items, like lavender lemonade, lavender ice cream. I will tell you that the lavender like Euro wrap and lavender falafel that we had, we wouldn't necessarily eat that again. It wasn't bad, but... It was just so much more well-played than the desserts <laughs> and the beverages. All very, very good. And it was they played, like, soft jazz and, like, standards in the background, and you just had the lavender wafting through the air. And even though it was out in close to the desert, it was weirdly not too hot. It was kind of shaded from all the trees, and you got a really good breeze flowing. So it was just extremely relaxing. We didn't think we would just stay that long chatting and hanging out but we were kind of like they put all these like old vintage couches just like in this like forest land and you could just like get your food at the stands like chill on them or they had like tables that pretty much looked like wedding tables that were arranged with like flowers in the middle and you got to sit at those too and it was not packed or anything it was pretty open it's been happening since may so i feel like a lot of people went before the heat came and perhaps that's why oh that's an extended lavender festival too. that's cool yeah it goes until i think maybe the end of this month or august so yeah it's a good time it's definitely fun doing a little little day trip getting out there and seeing some buddies i'd say the main roast i have is that Lavender Festival is great, but driving to the desert is less great. 
<laughs> just straight up driving to the desert. Driving directly Roasting into it. the sun. Yeah, it's it's a it's a time. So that's that's one side of it. And then my other roast will be that I decided. Well, not I decided. Uh, my work decided that we will start going into the office once a week, and it's actually been really nice. This is partially a toast. It's nice to see people once in a while, but I would say like I'm just gonna roast my own abilities of like just learning how to be in an office again is not completely natural. Like just realizing like you have to walk many routes to get to bathrooms and look at the parking spot, make sure you're parked in a spot you're allowed to be in, in the structure. Just like all these thoughts that I was like, wow, I had a lot of stress. When I was here all the time. It's like at home, it's just like bathroom is your bathroom. No one else will be in there. You don't have to make decisions like, do I make a cup of coffee before I use the bathroom or after? Because it's kind of weird if I do one before the other and then have to put a coffee cup somewhere in a bathroom. You have to go through a lot of, a lot of strategies you have to look at where you want to eat lunch and will you get back in time for a meeting. Whereas when you're at home, you're never late. You're always there. <laughs> Pros and cons, though. I do like being able to be a little bit more mobile. Yeah, I, I kind of forgot all that stuff about like parking, bathrooms, or not. parking especially, and, and not so much finding that spot, but keeping it. That my too. pet peeve is always when someone steals your spot. Also, my least favorite part of college was finding a, a seat in the classroom that I really liked, mm. and someone would swoop in like 15 weeks into the semester. It's like, how, like why? Didn't you see me sitting there this entire time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some yeah. people are you not good See that Mazda with... two spots from the end on the second row? Like, it's my spot. Yeah, some people don't get unwritten rules. I have a similar thing where I live where there's like permit parking, and like we all kind of have like a unwritten, like this is my spot. And every once in a while, somebody's car is there, but they're only there until like 9 p.m. So if I leave, I'll come back and be like, why are you in my spot? But then if I come back later at night, it's open. I'm just like, could you just not do that? That'd be great. It seems nefarious. <laughs> it seems nefarious. It's just like, I feel like you don't have a permit and you're just chilling here. But yeah, it's, I'd say not been, I'd say my last week's roast was much more roasty. And this week I'm like, you know, it's just like the we're getting back into a little bit more of regular life and becoming reaccustomed with the inconveniences that we had. <laughs> Sounds very, very Davidy to say that, but yeah. uh, you know, my my inspo. <laughs> Can I add a tag to your your roasty toasty of yeah. parking? Yes, I mean parking is always a roast. I hate to park. So the wonderful thing that occurred during COVID was um, parking near my residence is usually horrible. And during COVID, it was not as horrible because no one was going anywhere. Now that things are open and people are vaccinated and they're hanging out with other people, parking here has been atrocious. And I don't miss it. And we toasted out today and getting luck with parking. So that's a a toast and a roast at the same time for me. Oh, yeah, we did good parking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got oh, great yeah. parking today. We did. And a final sure. toast, I would say, is 
our beverage of the evening comes from boop, 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 Green Cheek Brew, Beer Co. I was going to say brewery, but we are a lover of local, you know, food and beverage associations, <laughs> no, of local institutions. So this one in particular, though, is fun because it has a bird that Daniel has actually owned. Before. Yeah, my parents had a, a green cheek conure when I was growing up, so it's it's pretty sweet that uh, that a brewery is uh, representing uh, the, uh, the they're, they're wonderful. They are yeah. absolutely wonderful, friendly, intelligent, uh, fantastic uh, little creatures. Uh, ours would run around on the floor. He'd like actually walk the hallways. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's <laughs> like, cool. Yeah, he would tech. Uh, he would skateboard on the tech decks and, and oh all sorts. Of, he, was, he was a fun. He was a fun little bird. What? <laughs> he was a good time. You yeah. know, I feel like I Tony should Hawk have been exposed to like more of these sort of experiences with birds because I feel like I've said some negative thoughts about birds on the pod earlier. But that, I, if I saw, a, <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> I do re- I do realize I did that and really like put my foot in my mouth because then as we've grown on I've been like oh, Daniel is like a full bird person. I mean you know tangential. I mean so right now they got a pineapple conure and and he's a little less you know overall the friendly. Fact that you you know learned to love that one. It's like <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what they are. They fly. Is so it a, well, this brewery does know what they are. Is they it a type do. Of parrot? Uh, I would love to get fact-checked on that. Maybe I'll do some research right now. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll do some research on that because I'm not really super educated on them. I just like to come visit them and, and give them treats and hang out and watch uh, the morning news on like Saturday mornings when I'm down <laughs> at my parents' house because, you know. It, uh, yeah. It's just a very interesting concept to be like, I like to go to my parents' house and hang out with the parents slash Kanye (laughs) while watching the news. Though we say this, and this is a bit of local, like, San Diego culture, because there are a lot of people with, like, big birds that like to take them out on walks, and there's, like, the OB parrots. So there's a lot of of people like to have the exotic birds, because I think our climate is a, you know, it's a good one for them to live in. And, yeah, more on the Green Cheek Beer Co., is that their art with their bird is really nice. And we like to see their can art for this particular uh, Pilsner we were looking at. It has a little guitar. We're digging it. And everything's kind of very bright and colorful. And it even um, allowed a couple of us here to acquire merch today <laughs> to continue repping the brand so um and this is a nice continuation of a saga since i know um a couple of the uh uh what should we call a couple of our like peanut gallery here today um i'm not exactly sure how we should say like our our just our podcast team have also uh juanita's t-shirts so oh yeah it does seem like you know we just like to rep our local favorite spots and just be like, all right. Local brands all day. That Juanita's t-shirt does get compliments all the way up to Santa Barbara. Hey. Gas stops in Mission Viejo. People I got a free drink. Free drink in Santa Barbara for that Juanita shirt. Standing on the corner, bartender <laughs> comes out, yells, Juanita's used to work at Lucadia Pizza. Come on in. Let's talk the spot. Uh, nice. Wow. Nice. That is a great story. So hopefully hopefully a lot of Green Cheek fans out there because they are part of the Parrot family from South America. 
Nice. Very cool. This like really also makes sense because they're they have a lot of like primary colors in a lot of their designs and it's it pops so it makes sense. They're just like going in on the bird. So we like to see it. I so. just close the laptop. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're talking about next. When I we know. get back, we're jumping 100 years into the future, right? I know. So now that we finished our toasts and roasts very properly so this week, with we haven't done like a little beverage shout-out in a while, so I thought it was nice bringing back that little segment. We'll see if we have that in the future. And speaking of the future, we're going into 2071 because it is time for the Cowboy Bebop movie, and the rest of the series. Cowboy Bebop. We're going in for round two, since we could not get our whole conversation into one episode, especially because there's a movie that we didn't cover with the original series. So, do 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 do. Cowboy Bebop the movie is from 2001. Um, it is based on a terrorist explosion releases a deadly virus on the masses, and it's up to the bounty-hunting Bebop crew to catch the cold-blooded culprit. And, uh, yeah, I will say, for listeners, if you do decide to watch this movie on yourselves, on yourselves, by yourselves, um, be prepared that it is very much so related to the times that we are living in currently, though... As we are in the States, we are all fairly vaccinated. And so this is, we would, um, you know, hopefully not be seeing butterflies. And that would be a good day for us. Yeah. More, more to come on that. Um, but basically, this movie has a lot to deal with a villain by the name of Vincent, who was kind of in a, he's on a planet where he was working on a, bioterrorism virus and vaccine so he had both and he goes on to then create these like marble pod like uh, spheres that release the virus in explosions throughout the cities that he's you know terrorizing and so the bebop crew is you know, up to their usual stunts, and then uh, Faye has a little bit of a run-in with this guy. And then they realize that later, you know, our, our favorite big shot show talks about there's a big number on this guy's head. So then they're now trying to, Spike especially, is trying to track down Vincent and stop him. And I think this movie really does serve to help us get to know these characters even more so. I think it actually makes sense a lot in the greater part of this series because you kind of get a little bit more of a premonition of how they're going to go their own ways towards the end. But, yeah, I'd say definitely a must-watch, but let's, let's discuss our thoughts on the movie. Daniel, how, how did you think about the Cowboy Bebop 
movie. Tango Kuno Tobira. So uh, I think I said it on our Cowboy Bebop episode, but Cowboy Bebop, the series, might go down, uh, and it definitely is right now, uh, might go down as one of my favorite shows that we will talk about on Primetime Party Time. I adore the series. Uh, I do agree with you that the movie sort of, it, it assists the series in the same way that like Better Call Saul retroactively makes Breaking Bad a better show in the way where it sort of adds more layers to certain characters' decisions throughout the run of the last couple episodes of Cowboy Bebop. Uh, I love the visuals, obviously. I love the music. I loved like just the choreography of the fights. Uh, there's just like, I don't, I have not, it, please point me to anime that does this kind of shot composition because I don't see it often. No, they do their fight series like, very um, like like 360 like you're always seeing it from a different angle and when they're moving somehow the viewer is also moving where usually you see it in more of a 2d way where it's happening in front of you yeah yeah so i i think with all that absolutely uh, as far as the story goes I, I will say that overall the individual sessions of cowboy bebop the series I think I'm more partial to overall than, yeah. than watching it in a movie format. Mm. Uh, I think that a lot of the episodes were, I don't want to say more original or special. I, I don't know what it is, but there's something about either the pacing or, or how they present themselves that I think is, is really deliberate uh, and, and really individual. Whereas I, I did really enjoy this movie. I really enjoy where this movie falls within like the, the greater sort of being of Cowboy Bebop. Uh, I don't know that I preferred it or, or the viewing experience of it over the sort of um, or uh, over the the sort of my favorite sessions of the show. Yeah, the episodes are able to pinpoint on more various kind of areas because it does seem like throughout the show they like to take different themes of kind of current day things and then make them extreme in these futuristic you know, bad scenarios that they're trying to kind of undo for throughout all of these sessions. And the movie does that in, in a bigger way, but kind of in a more traditional movie format. So I think because of that, you kind of think about it and go, do we need to spend this much time with Vincent when he's not really doing much more for the series? Like, you learn a lot about Spike through him and throughout this whole movie but you are thinking like you know the episodes were able to move things along more and also have different people come in who maybe play bigger roles in the actual series whereas this one you know you are going to have to kind of have it have that regular structure of setting it up of them doing regular times just kind of business as usual and then moving into what's this movie about and then tying it up because that has to happen too, since this is this movie sits within episodes twenty two and twenty three in the show, so it couldn't be too open ended because they got to wrap it up in <laughs> three episodes. Yeah, yes, that was interesting. I, I was sort of confused in the middle of the movie. I don't think confused, but one of the things that I was watching for was I, I was questioning why, in, in spending so much time with Vincent, if we were supposed to see him as sympathetic or not, when his actions in the second half of the movie very much showed not, and, and some of his parallels with Spike kind of showed why we were spending 
time with him, I think. I'm, I'm really interested uh, in, obviously, Kyle, you haven't seen the series of Cowboy Bebop. So no. you're, you're, your views on the movie are as a standalone movie, which mm-hmm. I'm really interested in. I also, Justin has seen Cowboy Bebop. And we haven't heard your thoughts on the whole series yet and then on the movie yet. Should we start there and then move on to sort of see like what, what, what the difference is with, with those viewpoints? Yeah, yeah, we can. Um, for me, I think you, you hit it on the head talking about pacing. I, what I liked about the series is that they are very deliberate with their shots. They're very deliberate with their timing of everything. They're very deliberate with the way they present each moment and scene and conflict, each each fight scene that, that they have their 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 way about their setup and resolution of those moments, and in the movie, I just I feel like it wasn't spaced out appropriately. It felt rushed to me. Rushed, okay. Um, okay. More so, I think in the the plot the plotting, because I I think especially mostly with Vincent, um, you know we have the bit of the backstory of all the other characters obviously it's coming up through uh end of season two but vincent i just got this this sense that it was just oh it's the great bad guy yeah he does actually wear a tall black trench like, coat which hat and <laughs> trench coat with a trench coat and like and, and he kind of has like a sickly complexion yeah he really that's does it's a good point but you're kind of like yeah so you have the in this movie, they have a nanotech vaccine that he apparently has, but it does not appear so in his, in his appearance. But he, yeah, I agree with that because I do think the episodes do a little bit of a better job of introducing you to the theme and kind of the mm-hmm. plot and the goal, really, of and what the assignment they have. And this one, it starts off as a little bit more of like, kind of background, like, okay, you know, they have the convenience store shakedown that they're kind of just helping out with. Oh, yeah, it was kind yeah. of like a one-off little mm-hmm. scene, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, Faye's off doing something else that ends up being the catalyst for this bad guy, but you, they're kind of having to unravel it more, and I feel like that's probably what they have to do since it's a movie, because in yep. the episode, they'd really have to get to it. They're not very long, and they got to get it through in, I don't know, it was like 25, 30 minutes. And so when they have an actual like 90-minute runtime, they kind of get to slowly move into that. And you really do see in this movie that they don't have to... I'm going to say that again. You really see in this movie that they don't have to have each other's backs very much because as the team because even there's even a point that and we were kind of joking about it while watching it but then (laughs) spike actually says like ah where's the camaraderie (laughs) or not spike jet (laughs) jet says where is the camaraderie and he's going like ah that's me it was easier when things were so (laughs) and he's just like off like you know phase being held captive yeah, which one of us was the one who was like wait why why is no one checked up on Faye yet yeah oh i think i, I think we, that i feel like we all kind of were thinking of we're that, all right? yeah, yeah yeah it's like wait a minute she's been out like, for like four scenes now and no one's mentioned it yeah no. though the series does sort of talk about especially it is something i noticed in the later episodes mm-hmm. that they still don't really care about each other um it's it, 
they, they, yeah, yeah, they're not so concerned when they're in or out, and yeah, there is sort yeah. of some late stuff where where it's surprising when the, when the series is on, mm-hmm. uh, sort of when they do sort of care and take action about like each other's misfortunes or when they're leaving or, mm-hmm. or whatnot, and when they're actually surprised to to learn more about them. Yeah. There's that like great episode uh, of Phase Past when when they all yeah, sort of learn about yeah. her and whatnot, and, and it is surprising when they show empathy towards one another. Right. Uh, it was yeah. It was fun though that we had to call out that like in this movie that they were not. They were sort of all like kind of in their own worlds. Yeah. And in a are. way, they were kind of competing because she was trying to get Vincent as the bounty, and so was Spike. Yep. Oh, right. And they were not yeah, really was... working together. And you know, usually it seems like you know Faye and Spike kind of have a little bit of like banter, but instead he was doing that with the Electra woman who right. comes into play. Character, yeah. Yeah, so we have a new one-off kind of girl of the movie who's kind of randomly in the mix, but also has a connection to the villain. So as I took it, uh, the okay, so the, uh, this is tough. Uh, this kind of gets into the series. So I'll, I'll just say this real fast, and we can move back to it later if we want to. But I took Vincent and Electra to be Spike and Julia. Um... Mm. And so, that makes sense. so like, because, okay, first off, Kyle. Yes. How did you feel about the characters of Vincent and Electra in a standalone movie? Can I start with just the cast in general? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah let's sure. Hear. Go for it, go on for it. Spike and Jet and Faye and yeah. Ed it's and not, Yeah, let's hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not built to be a standalone movie. It, okay. it, from... There really wasn't any character development for like the main five or six characters like yeah. within the movie itself. Like I could barely tell you what their names are right now because I never talk about them. Whoa! Yeah, big. You guys all knew that coming into it because yeah. you've seen that. I'm assuming you've seen the episodes leading yeah. into this, yeah. right? But yeah. as a standalone movie itself, like, was this movie in the theaters? Yeah, I would assume so. Yes. Okay. Okay. I think it still is from time to time. So, like, if I... So, if I start from time to time... Okay. Um, yeah, no, I could see, like... Like, imagine if I was, like, going with my kid who was super into the show, but then I were just there watching it. I couldn't tell you, like, what everyone is, what this world is, what exactly is going on. I mean, all of a sudden, like... In the first 10 minutes, all of a sudden, they're in a spaceship that's heading towards, like, this desert dome, and then it lands in the ocean. Like, how crazy is that, right? (laughs) That is true. They do not lead into anything. No. And we even were, like, trying to keep track of locations when they go to different areas. Like, okay, right now, they're in Morocco. Then they're moving to New York. Then they're moving somewhere else. And then there's, like, a scene that seems to be, like modern day Tokyo. So it's, it's interesting because I think like when you've seen the series enough, you are kind of more just like, okay, they're popping on the ride. Like it is similar to kind of like, you know, the Futurama and a lot of series that do kind of the space quest (laughs) episodes where every episode they're kind of moving somewhere. I think the interesting part about Cowboy Bebop though, is they're going to places that actually exist and they're not too fantastical. And so are all of the scenarios. Like, this movie is biological warfare and contagious viruses, which we all know we wish were fantastical, but are very much realistic. And so they're taking... This was, you know, I guess exactly, like, 20 years ago 
that this movie came out. So things that were kind of dreamed up there as nightmares is like the nightmare we've all lived. Um, But at the same time, I think that is a nice like edge that you see both in the series and the movie is they're going on these grand adventures, but they're all things that could actually happen. Right. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So which, so did Vincent and, because I do want to get back to Vincent and Electra. Did they work for you or did they not? Vincent was almost too bad guy for me. Too bad guy. Yeah, he was almost, he was like irrational. I couldn't really tell what his motive was except to just like destroy things, right? Yeah. I mean, even, even the people he worked with, right? He betrayed like both of them. I think there was two of them, maybe three of them. Like he betrayed them pretty much as soon as it made sense. And it's just, that's just not. As far as sustainable bad guys go, it's like, what exactly is your, your plan here, you know? Right, right. No. Yeah, very few can get away Yeah, with that. and then, yeah, he just, I don't know, it was it was interesting. It was kind of hard to put my finger on his motive, but maybe that's because he wasn't, um, maybe that's because he wasn't of sound mind to have enough, uh, to actually have, like, a true motive to what exactly he was doing. Yeah, I think they could have done a, better job with developing him and what he was really trying to accomplish because he does end being suicidal but it's more just like why like you need to know a little bit more about the experiment that he was on they talk about it in the backstory but I think in order to really understand his whole psyche there could have been a little bit more information on that they did kind of do a bit of like especially the doctor that he talks about when they're going through kind of the street markets, they do talk in a lot of like big picture and riddles instead of just like actually giving (laughs) the information (laughs) and they're trying to hunt down different parts. But yeah, I also think that they were trying to make him into like a somewhat Joker-esque character where it's like, yeah, yeah, he's like a bit insanity there. Yeah. Like he's kind of like, doesn't know what he's doing, and yet, you know, kind of like the evil scientist gone bad type thing. But then you are, it's weird because in the middle of the movie, you almost feel bad for him. And then at the end, when he just starts going really off the rails, you're like, never mind. We don't have sympathy for you. Yeah. And, and that's where um, my pacing issue comes in, is where... It's like they tried to put you on an emotional roller coaster a bit and it failed, I think. Because I was questioning how I should feel about him instead of just suddenly being empathetic for his situation. And then being pissed that he was just irrational. And I mean, I don't mean this in a, a mean way, but being pissed that he was irrational and suicidal. Like, I wanted to be sympathetic and like, oh, he's crazy. And then sympathetic again of like, oh, he's going through like mental health struggles. And instead, I just feel like it fell short. Like there wasn't enough information for me to be invested in him as a character, really. I agree. So I I especially agree with your assessment, Kyle, of like, what is, what's the motivation, right? Yeah. I will say... Basically, the reason that I say the Vincent and Electra are Spike and Julia is 
basically this this takes place in a really cool way like it was produced it looks like it was produced after after the series was done uh and it takes place directly after this episode of cowboy bebop that's kind of like one of the last fun episodes of the show before the serious ending where spike is basically rivaled with this sort of like cowboy bounty hunter named andy who's very extra and he's very comedic and the entire episode is everybody like telling spike very playfully like oh you got to beat this guy he's you right like all, all the descriptions are just spike smear at him and spike's like this guy's not me this guy's awful you know uh and, and it's played in a very fun way and then sort of this movie's really cool in happening right after that because as much as i agree that vincent doesn't work or in, at least in this view just didn't feel like he worked on his own as far as motivations go i think what was interesting is that spike very much in the movie says i see vincent in me i see like another like version of me mm -hmm. i see my soul or something like that in him and so the reason he's so perplexed with that and and, and what makes sort of like their climactic fight kind of work on, on on the tower in a way is vincent is where spike is at the end of the series mm -hmm. so essentially it, at the very end of the series spike reunites with julia and julia is killed while they're trying to escape and so spike basically like his rival's vicious and vicious tried to have him killed and he had to flee and, and he left his life and he basically like doesn't really look at his past or uh, and uh so that's like why he's on the bebop with jet is that he's basically just like in flux like his life is ended uh, and and he's essentially just sort of kind of floating around taking bounties running away from his past so when he finds vincent vincent is very much where spike is three episodes later because julia dies and spike leaves the bebop and Faye like she's begging him not to go because she's like you're just gonna die like vicious is basically like doing this coup to take over this crime syndicate and uh spike wants to have one last confrontation and he has no fear like his his hopes of like everything that he couldn't leave behind like they're now gone for good he has nothing to live for and he doesn't even basically what he says is she's like are you why, why would you just go there to die and he goes i'm not going there to die i'm going there to see if i'm alive and he ends up uh fighting vicious to the death and they both basically mortally wound and kill each other um and so spike dies on the staircase he has this really great line where he kind of looks at all these sort of like syndicate crime members and he's just killed their leader and he goes bang and he kind of falls to the staircase fun fact steve blum actually has the wave file of him saying bang tattooed on his arm wow um, that's cool. it's really cool uh but so what i saw in vincent in this movie is vincent when he was remembering who electra was uh and he was going like they had their guns pointed at each other mm -hmm. at the end i saw him and that was the whole thing right with the butterflies is that he wanted to know if he was really alive he wanted to remember yeah. his life and so, so what spike saw in him was, were the parallels of what right. inevitably happened later on with him and julia does it sort of like is he thinking about vincent when he goes to have that final confrontation with Vicious? Perhaps. That's kind of where that's that's the question of like, is this kind of like the Better Call Saul of uh, Cowboy Bebop? Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I'll agree. Like, for, as, as far as like memorable Cowboy Bebop characters, Vincent and Electra aren't in my top. Like, I, I loved characters like VT. I loved, uh, honestly, 
everybody that shows up at Cowboy Bebop. Yeah. But as far as it's again kind of and like I didn't even really see all of Julia. I felt I felt like in the series you have to trust Spike uh, when Spike mm-hmm. loves Julia. We don't see a whole lot of her on her own. And I don't know that that's like not a flaw of Cowboy Bebop, but I saw sort of the same thing here where I saw, he saw so much of Vincent in himself. He saw so much of his inevitable future actions mm. and what Vincent was doing uh, that it informs his character in a way. And it works really well between like the rivalry that he didn't believe in that everybody else saw in him and the rivalry that's actually true. Uh, so yeah, that's sort of who I saw in, in Vincent. I think that's a very good take. I like it. I like it. Yeah. I think that that also could ring some truth in that we were seeing Spike be a bit more like flirty in this movie than normal. And if he was seeing Julia and Electra, then that would kind of make a little bit more sense. Because, you know, Electra is able to like fight and do all these things oh, but then and then also if they're seeing himself in vincent then it's also like they were clearly had some time together and she was you know unable to because he even looks at her when there's during those final scenes of why didn't you pull the trigger right right and it's the she can't she still has a soft spot mm-hmm. for him even after all of the chaos and cruelty that he started to go across the world. And it's, but what's weird to note is that there's like a bit of like government involvement in this movie that I think is not so present in the rest of the series so much. I agree. And the, the way it ends with them just doing like, they're just spraying the vaccine around the world. And it like, takes with the rain and it's supposed to just make it cover everyone is that's just kind of their like how they wrap it up and you you do what look at that ending as we are living the times that we are living and going like if only if it were so easy to just be like it's coming from the sky yeah that was that was sort <laughs> of fun i'm i'm curious uh, i had this thought but mostly through the whole film too is um if we had reviewed this and watched this in 2019, oh, yeah. how would we feel? Would we feel differently about any of this? I think we would. I think oh, there's I think a different bit I of think we would. intensity that I, I felt I while watching mm-hmm. it yeah. in this moment <laughs> of being like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like this is this is this serious. Is, I'm I'm looking into a mirror right now, <laughs> a little <laughs> yeah. bit, but unfortunately, we don't just have these like, you know bounty hunters just going around making sweeping decisions <laughs> or b52s dropping vaccines so yeah we, yeah that's, so this is something i really hope this shows up in in the live action version one of my favorite things that happens in cowboy bebop is like them t- pulling 20th century technology like that episode where they're hanging out with the shuttle uh-huh. uh or or in this case when they fly in a bunch of like mid 20th century bombers and and planes to to distribute the vaccine i love that about this like about the aesthetics of the show it's great it's great Mm -hmm. i and we we talked about it a little bit um but i really like like we we had you got tracy you had mentioned that everything is could be realistic nothing's like too fantastical about it and i really like that they're 
technology that they have that's the advanced technology is also not too fantastical no like right? they are facetiming each other like all and... of it's very plausible and well thought out and it's just again this just goes back to watching this in today's reality instead of you know if we had seen this when it came out in 2001 um but anyways back to the um the characters a bit of a tangent there but vincent and and um electra i think I mean, I guess if if we're looking at Vincent being a reflection of Spike and it was a relatively quiet reflection until he makes that comment of, like, we have the same soul right? Uh, towards the end. Um, but in the very beginning, when they're, when he and Jet are playing, they're playing their game and, and Jet's like, oh, you're just, you know, that's just how you live life. Like, you just... Do whatever you want. You're just very uh, what's the word he impulsive, used? impulsive, and like instinctive. So he just he has good instincts, but then he like acts on impulse. And and um, Vincent, same way. You know, the way he the way he at least their fighting style, the way they fight, the way he interacts with the other characters, how he completely and literally backstabs like his two helpers that he's got. Right. It was all very in the moment choice decisions. That's just kind of, I don't want to say crazy behavior, but it didn't seem to me there's a whole ton. Kyle's making a face. Kyle's like, like, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. Do we call it what it is? But but Spike Spike behaves in in a similar manner. Even in the opening scene when they're at the uh, the uh, like basically a cvs <laughs> and yeah. the fourth guy comes out of the bathroom and uh you know he shoots that guy and jet's freaking out like oh you could have shot the lady and all this stuff and and spike's like doesn't matter so yeah. doesn't matter and and vincent very i think similar mannerisms of the bystanders and casualties of his behavior like it doesn't matter yeah he has that moment where he hits that switch with that explosive and then Spike just looks at him because the Vincent says, like, I bet you think I'm bluffing. And he does it. And then you know, Spike just takes out a cigarette. Doesn't Spike just basically give him permission to, like, right yeah. before? He's just kind of like, yeah, go do it. Yeah, I will say in this movie, you sort of, you don't leave with the best vision of Spike. Spike was never a hero, but He's right? a bounty hunter, He's a though. bounty hunter. No, but I think he kind of had the, like, He's the bad guy that you're kind of rooting for yeah. a little bit. And in this one, it's like, I'm still rooting for you in the series, but I kind of see a little bit more of your flaws have been fully visualized mm-hmm. on yeah. the screen. And it's also that this is where this character could go if it weren't for the Bebop crew. Because, you know, Vincent's very much on his own and it's kind of like left to your own devices with the experiences you've had. You could easily go the villain route and you're making choices to not completely go there but you're also definitely not a good guy you're not out there trying to stop this guy from you know causing just death and destruction you're out here to just do your job i think that's i think that is a really important note sort of like having the bebop crew for for the important parts of spike's life for honestly jet's life uh when when he kind of you know, deals with his past based in, in Ganymede. 
uh, for Edward it's passed, you know, with her father, for, I mean, I just kind of kicks it, uh, but Faye's passed, you know, with her accident and subsequent, like, regaining of her memories. It, yeah, it's interesting. If, if they didn't have the Bebop crew for those moments in life, and even though they really don't at the end of the series, like, where would they be? Would, would he be, you know, like, yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, they are, they are a band of misfits, for sure, that are taking on all these crazy bounty quests. Yeah, never getting much money for it. No, no, that is like, and it's even the convenience store shakedown, they really just leave mostly with a lot of snacks. Like, they just have all of the different kinds of instant noodles, and they're like, if you want protein, you're going to have to catch someone better. And I was just like, yeah, the movie did have a lot of, even though it's like, it does end with a lot of heavy and dark moments, it also does have quite a bit of comedy throughout. I think we all enjoyed the moment where... um, Edward is putting on a jack-o'-lantern and going door to door to find the scientist and Vincent uh, with with Ayn. That's and there's a particular moment where he goes and this guy opens the door. He's like, "It's October 30th." He has a gun and just like (laughs) he's like, "Get out of here!" And uh, yeah, we're saying it on the show now, as mentioned while we were watching that. We are questioning why this has not been memed and gift every Halloween season. So we'll we'll do our best to. We'll have to make one. <laughs> have to right. have to start it up. See if we can get a nice trending meme <laughs> in the mix. Even though I'm very pro Halloween, so I would not be the person who reacted that way. But I also think we're in a good place uh, to also chat about the music of the movie and the music of the show. I do think one of the pros of the movie is you do get a lot of more music. Yes. Because, you know, based, just based on length, you're obviously going to get more. But also, I realized how well they're matching everything with the scenes. Like, if when they're going through the floats and it's just like this really fast time, like almost like polka, like jazz vibes. And then when they're having just kind of more like ambient you know scenes like you the music is matching that too and they even have like a rockabilly moment as they're like going through i guess what is america (laughs) and and i didn't realize it at the point until we're like oh it's new york that makes a little bit more sense and then when vincent and spike are fighting i feel like and guys correct me is I don't really recall a lot of like rock music at all, but this I had the hap- same thought. Yeah, like that's what was happening in the scene. I was like, oh, so this is happening. That's it, a good point. Yeah, it was. It was a. I thought it was a good blend of very rock influenced jazz. Yes. Um, and and they did a great job at transitioning between the more traditional bebop style. With the rock influence, because uh, the first fight with um, uh, Electra is just fast bebop with yes. a gnarly sax solo, and it's just it's wild. It was great. Yeah. Um, and then, like I said, with Vincent, it's it's from the parade scene on. It's just very rock influenced, and it's a bit heavier. I feel like than oh, most yeah. of the rest of the show. I agree. Um, and so that was just really interesting to me, at least seeing that choice of 
music and the choice of atmosphere that they wanted to create. Um, Especially because the train fight didn't have any music, right? No. I kind of noted no, that when we were watching it. Yeah. It had like this, and they also had that, I think, during like the ending scenes of this almost just like, it's very soft. And I think maybe there were some vocals, but it was just kind of very like somber, kind of the way a lot of movies do the like, kind of like chorus that's just kind of doing like a ba 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 ba. Yeah, right. I, I I remember there was like you know it wasn't completely silent, but it was not instrumental, which is what this show is really known yeah. for. Yeah, yeah. I think uh yeah like the electro fight scene. There is I do enjoy how much they let the brass doing solos get very carried away yeah. when they're in these really fast-paced scenes because it seems like every time they're kind of in a chase or in a fight, they'll let them do this, and it's trailing off from the original bebop style, but just getting even more, like, just... They just fully let loose. And it seems to have no rule similar to the bebop crew. <laughs> it's... But in a... It's... I don't know. The composer for Cowboy Bebop is Yoko Kano. Oh yeah, I had I had this. Um, but also yes. Just a shout out that you have a female composer writing a soundtrack for an entire series and a movie. I was thinking it's about just, that. And it's jazz. Awesome. Yes. It's really cool. And I also really liked when I looked up who is the composer for this, that I was like, oh my gosh, it was like from the 90s to now, female composer who's doing all this great music. And, you know, it's, it's very, it's really hard to put your finger on it because it is jazz, but then they'll go through different genres, but it's still, she does have a good job of putting a trademark on those so even when they switch to something a little bit more country for big shots and then when they go into the rock for the fight scenes you can still tell it's the same person and it's smoothly as justin said transitions for the rest so yeah we really like we really like to see that and she's worked on a few other animes and movies um as we saw in the credits for her bio that she also contributed to one of the Ghost in the Shell iterations and she will also do the music for the upcoming live action so as much as we might have reservations about animes becoming live action and seeing how it goes at least rest assured that the music will be great Justin Kyle are you looking forward to like a live action uh, version of, of Cowboy Bebop? No no so, <laughs> so let's unpack that. Okay. Yes. Kyle, do you want to go? Do you want me to go? Uh, I don't know. Just speaking historically, it just I feel like I guess just one thing with just you know again I've only seen the movie right, but right. the artwork, the uh, fight scenes, the music, just the actual just how they put the show together. I think that adds a lot of that is the magic behind you know what's going on or at least i guess i don't want to say it is the magic but it creates like a very solid foundation for then um you know creating stories further creating this world and just sort of exploring everything um so it's just how do you how do you take that 
And how do you recreate just kind of that essential foundation within a live action movie and then try to build your stories and your world and everything else on top of that? Um, I don't know. I mean, we, I think we all know that other shows have tried it. And um, I think we also know that a lot of these same shows just haven't really pulled it off. So, I mean, I think it's just kind of a probability thing. It's like, why can't we just kind of leave it as it is and not chance that we're going to make a live action that just doesn't quite work? Yeah. Okay. That's a good argument. So my opinion on this is um, enough crap came out in 2020 alone that was skip theaters or was uh, zero advertisement straight to the streaming services. Um, And I could be a bit biased just because at some point during the pandemic, I got really sick of just watching TV in general. Um, but I don't want another live action show or frankly, another movie. We'll say that I don't want to see another movie that just misses the mark. And, uh, so much stuff I think in the past year was kind of just rushed out and stuff could have been done a bit more meticulously uh daniel you had mentioned that snake eyes could have even used a couple rewrites um yeah and i just there's so much you can do with the anime format and the medium um that we've all seen marvel we've all seen what the greatest and latest cgi has to offer um and i just don't really i'm skeptical that they'll be able to to transition the style that their the uh, formatting gives off in a live setting, like that's really hard to do. Taking something from an animation that's as in depth and detailed as this, like even like the fight scenes, Tracy, you were talking about, that's stuff you can really only do with animation, um, or you fake it with CGI, and and so I'm just I'm skeptical. I'm up for it. I'm open to it. Um, but I don't have high hopes. I think it's probably right to be skeptical of all <laughs> animation <laughs> to live action adaptations because I really only joy- enjoyed a few. And even so, I think a lot of times when you take something that's very beloved and do another iteration on it, I'm open to see it, but many will be like, I, I would prefer just another season or a kind of into the future, like what are the rest of the Bebop up to instead of uh, a spin-off series? Because you can't get more Cowboy Bebop. No. So, you you know, they could just kind of, you know, see what Jet's up to. Or maybe it's just a series on Ed and Ayn because they're really... I watched the hell out of that. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) So those are the things where I do think about where I'm like, as I'm especially thinking about Inuyasha, where they could have easily done the live-action version of that, but instead they are doing like, oh, no, we're going to do the children of these characters and oh, do a yeah, series yeah. of it that yeah. also tells you a little bit more about the original storyline, but is primarily focused on a new storyline with some of the characters, but not the ones that you were as invested in when you first watched the original series. So I think that has had a little bit more success than lifting to another platform. But I think that's, you know, the way the music blends with the visuals and their animation style is somewhat timeless 
at say because I watch it now and it doesn't look like it was. I watch a lot of animes that are from this era, and you can usually tell and go like, okay, yeah, it's gotten a lot better now. But the way they did a lot of the lighting in the animation makes it just kind of look cool and vintage mm-hmm. and not aged. So that's kind of going to be the challenge for the live action. Yeah. Like, are they going to film it in film noir style? <laughs> like, are they going to do these kind of, you know, elements that make the visuals and the audio really tie in together? Or are they going to do something completely different? Yeah, I, I am... You guys put it really well. Uh, the probability game. That's oh, yeah. that's really all it is. It this, really is. I think we talked about this last time. Yeah. Is that the, it's such a cinematic property that it feels like in the right circumstances, in the right conditions, this could be a dream project. Oh yeah. If you if you knew what kind of visual influences you wanted to pull from, and I don't even think it needs to match that at all. I love that we're getting an older spike with John Cho. I love that like we're seeing uh, you know the differences in, in, in the characters and the casting and the iterations of characters. If you just wanted to put the same character on a screen every single time, uh, just watch the old thing. Yeah. But I agree that there's so much here and there's so many layers to all the aspects that that we've been talking about that it, it takes some perfect conditions to rein that in to be something like this. Uh, and yeah, it, it, as much as, as much as Netflix, uh, might be fun for it to have like a, a big space IP property, uh, for, for us to keep coming back to, cause I can't think of one off the top of my head. Uh, yeah, it, 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 it would take a lot. It, it would be, we'll see, but yeah. And I'm, go ahead. I'm, I mean, I'm excited for it. I, I, do do either of you know how long this has been in the works for yeah, it was um it was actually filming back in like 2019. I believe uh one of the principal actors, it might have been John Cho, suffered an injury that delayed them, delayed them in through COVID and they picked up filming recently. So this has actually okay. been going on a while. So the I mean, I'm hoping off the cuff that could be a blessing in disguise cuz it gives the whole production team a year of lockdowns to really take a look at how they're going about this whole thing it's true a lot a a lot of projects just need more time in pre-production yeah yeah a lot of times uh it's it's a pretty tried and true kind of problem uh maybe 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 it gives them time to to check over some dailies maybe maybe they can adjust Uh, who who knows if if they're even you know this could be like it could be under wraps but they can be sitting there and being like wow this is gonna blow people's minds but agreed uh, you know probability wise perhaps perhaps yeah yeah that could be cool and i think we're gonna see sort of an since they have this show in the works and Yu Yu Hakusho is also slated to be a live action. What's that one about? So that one is, he is, it's not, I mean, it's very different, but I believe the creator is also the creator of Dragon Ball Z. And this show is kind of like when they first start to have like arena fighting kind of animes. But he starts out as just kind of this punk kid who then he saves a kid from being hit by a car but he's hit by the car and dies but then the spirit world kind of gives him a second chance and he kind of gets these like you know to come back and 
in the end, he kind of becomes this spirit world detective. And he's kind of hunting down, similar enough, but kind of for different reasons. He's kind of a bounty hunter for people who are escaping, like, the underworld. Mm, that's cool. And that's that, high concept. That's cool. Yeah, but then it's also, like, there's kind of a weird history with him and, like, kind of having to go to the underworld sometimes. And there's all these, like, demons that escape. But then there's kind of, like, a he has all these, like, extra abilities that, they're you know, people are wondering, like, how... <laughs> How'd you get those? So I think, yeah, that's it's one of those shows that I actually do see how both of these like could be live action shows. When you're watching it, you're like, oh, I could see a show get pitched this way. But it's just like the story already exists, and the show already exists, and there's also movies. So it there is a lot already out there. So that's, I think, the challenge of you have to make something that's a little bit different, but also in the same kind of family right. of what has been created. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. So that's that's their challenge, and we're hoping for good things, but at least I'm going to be looking forward to a new soundtrack. And I do wonder if, like, regardless of how this show goes, if it will make more people go back to the original. I think the answer is yes. As someone who, like, for whatever reason, just didn't watch this series for so long after hearing its praises, yeah, this is... This is... <laughs> If if you think you're remotely interested in Cowboy Bebop, you are. It, yeah. it, it's it, you should watch it. It's it's an incredible series. In it will opinion. pull you in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, final thoughts on, or, or if we have anything else to discuss, yeah. or any, any other topics we might have missed, but also, or what tab do you have open? Oh yes. What is this? This is why the ending of Cowboy Bebop is more significant than you think. Yeah, we have a few more thoughts to wrap this up, but a lot of what this is from Looper.com. And one of the things that's interesting that they note, they also see the reflection of Spike in Vincent. So oh, they good. do they do mention that in this as well. So fact check oh, our our yeah, film analysis <laughs> is correct. But um, and one of the things they also go into is their feelings about kind of being in a dream versus reality are really similar, but they just have different takes on it. So what they're saying in this is that, you know, Spike takes it as like slouching through life and Vincent decides to bring madness to everyone else. So they're both kind of in this similar state of not having a full grasp on reality and, you know, Spike's more of the, like, bearing everything down and ignoring the situation at hand and focusing more on bounties. And whereas Vincent is, like, since I am unraveling, I think the world should also. Oh, good taste with that Joker. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, and, and that's, you know, that's kind of what you see. And, yeah, like, the Batman-Joker concept, you're seeing two people who had really horrible youths and what they do with the... It's kind of like how these blossom from their traumas. And so I think that's what they're trying to do in that. One thing, though, that this article mentions that is interesting is that they said there is a reoccurring Native American stereotype slash shaman that is Spike visits Laughing Bull in the show's first episode, which I actually don't remember this moment. And that apparently this shows up again in the Jupiter, Jupiter Jazz two-parter and that's 
filling in some of the that. backstory with Vicious and the Titan War. And it's interesting, too, that this is mentioned because then, you know, Vincent was on Titan. I forgot about that, yeah. that there was there, there was a connection to the Titan War within the series as well. Yeah, yeah. That, that is what Jupiter Jazz sort of talks about. So you're, you are seeing how this movie is very integrated into the series. We're not looking at, I would say, Demon Slayer is so far the most anime movie that actually is propelling the f- plot forward. And if you don't watch it, you will not understand the second season. Whereas this one is, it's kind of tying together episodes more and yeah. make and strengthening plot lines. It's not necessarily moving things forward, but it's also giving you more information to understand the ending. Mm-hmm. And then they also say that this is kind of how you're starting, similar to what we were talking about, you're starting to see how they don't fully have a tight-knit group and they're able to start splitting off into this movie. You're getting kind of foreshadowings into how that's going to happen. And in the ending, you know, Faze also just like randomly runs into Julia to send this message that kind of gets everything rolling Mm -hmm. to make, you know, bring everyone to the demise but the the creator also did say that from the beginning he was going to end this show with vicious and spike fighting to the death and that he really wanted a self-contained story and so he did not want it to go on farther because apparently many critics said if you kill off your main character you cannot make a continuous you know basically you can't make more shows where this guy said, no, this is what I wanted to do with this story, and he's gone on to make other animes. So I think he is very much not trying to go into when, even though this show could have gone on for five seasons. Easily. Easy. 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 But they wanted to just kind of tell it all in fold. So, but another very tangential side note that we like to mention is whack donalds so <laughs> oh, um i noticed this for the first time while watching inuyasha that when they would eat these burgers they'd have w's but they would look basically like the mcdonald's logo upside down and then while we were watching this movie i saw it again and whack donalds or whack is how you would kind of, it's like wakodonoredos, is how you would say it in Japanese. It's a fast food chain used in many different anime and webtoons and is based on the real life McDonald's. The name is mostly used to avoid the McDonald's trademark. The various anime that feature Donald's have, or Wickdonald's, depending on what they do, have no connections, which is true. These are not from similar creators. It's just one person thought of it. It's worth knowing that there's a good amount of McDonald's in uh, Tokyo. So, so one person thought of it. Do would they just sort of how how, how does that work? I like know. does he or does he or she pass it around? I when I was working on a uh, I was PAing on a commercial once, and there was this guy who worked in the art department, and he actually had a side business where he would make fake logos for fake car brands and sell them to productions so that like even productions he wasn't working on, he was making money selling like these little sort of uh, 
emblems that they could stick on top of Toyotas or whatnot in order to get rid of the branding. Uh, I wonder if this is a similar case because this is, is kind of awesome that it's like popping up. and Because so, you were talking about that before we even saw it in the film and then it just happened to be like, oh yeah, th- th- this one too. Yeah, because I think they had another sign where I was like, oh, that was really similar. They had actual Coca-Cola. In That's what it was. Yes, they had Coca-Cola. actual Coca-Cola, so they must have had to trademark that, which was probably easy to do since they were a very popular show at that time. And funny enough, they just did not want to do McDonald's. And perhaps they wanted to participate in the anime culture of Whackdonald's. So that is... Love it. It's a fun fact. That is really like my toast to the end of this episode. Is <laughs> yeah. I loved learning that all animes have decided to use Whackdonald's. Like they just were like, yep, it's catching on. It's a fire. And we're still going to eat, have our like characters eat cheeseburgers. And they're just going to be W's. And it's going to be great. <laughs> it's a good time. And I love it. So, yeah. I feel like that is... Is there any other random thoughts to have? Closing thoughts, takes on Cowboy Bebop, the movie, the show, the ending, the vibe. What do you got? So, uh, this was the first long-form anime that I'd ever really seen. Wow. I know. I was not an anime junkie as a kid. Um, and I absolutely loved it and it has opened me up to the genre as a whole. So I just want to say thank you to Cowboy Bebop. Woo! That's awesome. I agree with That's that. Cool. Once you find one long form anime that like sucks you in, then you kind of get kind of addicted to like the format and the styles and you're like, I want another one. And then you just kind of go down a rabbit hole and keep watching them because that's at least what, uh, you know, it's done for me. <laughs> yeah, there's. I, I've watched more anime this year than I think I had before this year so far, and and sort of feeling out how the storytelling works across all of them. Uh, it, there is something really special to it, really different, really fun. Mm-hmm. It's cool. Mm-hmm. It is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was just gonna say. So I know probability wise we're a little shaky on the the new live action that's being released um but at the very least i do think it's going to do service in helping to promote that this even exists i had never heard of cowboy bebop until you guys brought this up on the show so wow i do think uh, yeah at least having the live action on a on a platform like netflix that has a lot of uh, notoriety behind it uh, i think it'll at least help people know that this even existed i mean especially for younger kids you know like 20 yeah. 22 year olds like they wouldn't have even been alive while this was coming out right like, now it's true yeah yeah no yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. unless their parents just loved anime because i think i watched this ugh, somewhat as a child with like my dad <laughs> and oh, that really? was and yeah and that is probably the only way even younger kids would watch it and they have been recently starting to put more, you know, anime on different streaming platforms. And Lupin the Third, which is like a big inspiration. If, if you look at the three characters, they kind of really match up quite well with a lot of the Bebop crew because the creator did say they were very heavily influenced. And we talked about that a little bit more on part one episode. So I think, you know, people are starting to discover a lot of these older influential animes and seeing how they you know start to spin off into these other shows that are a bit more current and then live actions will 
take it even further. So, yeah, we got a positive spin on it, you know, good or bad. <laughs> good or bad, it's, it'll help promote, yeah. Yeah, that's promoting the Bebop brand. Some promotions here uh, on, on some other ends. Uh, that's it for primetime party time this week. Uh, thank you for joining us. This show could not have been made without the following amazing people. We're talking our artwork was done by Fen. You find her at Fen Latte on Instagram. Our theme song was done by Jay Wright. Find him at jwrightmusic.com website with thanks to Coco. Uh, we had two guest stars tonight. Thank you, Jay Wright, Justin, and thank you, Kyle, for joining us. Thanks thank you both us. for having yeah, us. Joining us and hosting us at your lovely abode. It's true. And an undisclosed, undisclosed and location. An undisclosed location. Safe house. <laughs> safe it's house. safe house. Yeah. The bunker. It's somewhere in Southern California. <laughs> you can find episodes of Primetime Party Time on Apple, Spotify, wherever you like to listen to podcasts. If you want to rant, roast, and or rave with us, you can hit us up by sending us an email at info at ptptshow.com via our voicemail or chat box on the ptptshow.com homepage. And catch the next t- Primetime Party Time next Monday live at 9 p.m. Pacific here on ptptshow.com. We made that fade for you. Hey. Live show wrapped. Yeah. yeah. Cool. I mean, That's all great. of these are live, but live in person. In person. This is yeah. the first in person show, episode 29. Whoop. This is great. We made it. We did it. Yeah. Done. Sealed the deal. <laughs> You'll carry that way. <laughs>